This is Murphy and Friends. We're talking about Juneteenth and the significance of it as compared to now. Peter Feynman, who else Patrick, Patrick Rafferty of the Westchester County um, uh, Historical Society. Yvonne Burt. Yvonne Burt. And our friend at Historic Hudson Valley. Oh, Michael Lord. Michael Lord at Historic Hudson Valley. So as you can see, it is a countywide group with people who bring very rich resources to the 400 Years Project, a countywide collaborative. And um, these events that we have been sponsoring, and, and including my sister Lynn, these events that we've been sponsoring would not be the success that they are without them. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, we have just been joined by, oh, goodness, New York State Majority Leader, Senator Andrea Stewart-Cousins. Hi. Thank you, Lynn. It's so nice to be present in this very auspicious, you know, group of people. And thank you so much for putting this together. It is extremely important. And when I was listening to you, I got on late because I was in Greenberg at the um, uh, the event that that the Theater Young Community Center put on with with George and and um, others. I didn't see you know I didn't see everybody, but we were all there. But it's just so important that we take this opportunity as you are doing today with your team to educate people and I was listening to you and I was listening to Lynn because uh, those are the only you're the only two I heard but there's like a thousand things that go through our heads when we just hear little tidbits and how important it is that we tell the history and at this moment thank God a lot more people are willing to hear it. And I always say that it's kind of part of the COVID situation where we were forced into our homes. We were forced to have to sort of uh, rethink our relationships, what it matters, and, and how we were responsible for other people's well-being. And we changed, you know, in so much of the conditioning that we had. And as we were dealing with one pandemic, the other pandemic, which is a 400-year-old pandemic for us in this nation, also showed up. And we were not in the position anymore to look away. And so, so much of what is happening around this Juneteenth celebration is not that Donald Trump didn't invent it or he didn't make it famous. Uh, none of those things, although he seems to think so. But the reality is, is that it is so important that people recognize the vestiges of the enslavement of African people and their descendants on this continent. And it's not obviously just in policing, it is every aspect of our lives. But unless people are willing to listen or hear or even change some of the attitudes, it's just kind of a recurring theme that actually seems to somehow uh, in lesser times, bore people. 
So now nobody's bored. Everybody who who can, you know, wants to help us uh, become humanity uh, is engaged. And I want to thank so many of, of the young people, too, because today I went to a Juneteenth rally in Irvington. I went to a Juneteenth rally in Ardsley. These are two places that I've represented for, for, you know, the better part. I mean, since I've actually begun uh, my senatorial, uh, you know, role, and that's since 2007. And to say I was at a Black Lives Matter rally in Dobbs Ferry. I've been a Black Lives Matter rally in Hastings. This is unheard of. Unheard of. So for me to be in all these villages and towns, the cities I, I frankly expect, so I didn't mention that, but seriously, the even Scarsdale, I was not able to attend, but even Scarsdale had a Black Lives Matter rally. I mean, this is unbelievable. So we have to capitalize on these moments where we have finally gotten the attention in a real way of a multi-generational, multi-racial group of people who believe that we need to be advancing the cause of equality and racial justice. And because I have this very uh, um, pivotal role in the state Senate, and I'm a historic figure in the Senate with Speaker Hasty, who is also a historic figure as the Assembly Speaker, we took it uh, as a very serious opportunity and mandate to pass 10 uh, bills last week around policing that the governor has all signed, including the repeal of 50A, which now allows for police officers' disciplinary records to be seen, including banning chokeholds including uh, um, uh, creating the Office of Special Prosecutor and the Attorney General. So if you are killed after an altercation with the police, if you're interacting with the police, whether you are armed or unarmed, it gets investigated, period. We have a, now body cams have to be worn by by state police. Uh, We've passed a bill about medical attention. No more can you just sit up there and say, oh, well, he can't breathe. It doesn't matter. He can't do that anymore. 911 false reporting with the Amy Coopers of the world who want to weaponize uh, what they feel is a, a privilege and, and call 911 and, and make up stories. That's against the law. Uh, we have the STAT Act where they're going to have to start compiling statistics about who you're arresting, what are you arresting for, what are they charged with, what 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 is the sentence you're giving people. Uh, we have a law enforcement uh, misconduct investigating unit, which again is in the Attorney General, which will have the opportunity to look at patterns and practices in policing and find out, you know, who's doing what and. Uh, you know, be able to make uh, important recommendations and changes. So there, it's just, it's just been incredible to be able to be in the position to help shepherd these kinds of pieces of legislation along. And they've been in our house for a long time, but we had not had the majority. We got the majority, as you all know, in January of last year. And so it wasn't even like the Republicans were, were advancing this kind of thing. 
But now we are in a majority, and the majority of my members, in fact, every single one of my members, voted for every single one of these bills. And I will just tell you, just like what I've seen in my own district, the fact that the reason why the Democrats have a majority, and I know this isn't a partisan conversation, but in many ways uh, it you know, turns out to be uh, on many levels, but the reason why we now have a majority is because we were able to get seats uh, upstate and on the island where Democrats had never represented those areas before. So it isn't like in certain areas they have necessarily the same relationships with, with you know, any of the things that we were talking about, whether it was, um, you know, green light or whatever. It's just a different sort of life that these different constituencies have. And so even the senators who were not normally involved in these kinds of issues, nor did they think that they ever would have to be, understood the moment that we were in and are in and stepped up in many, many ways to make sure that this was a unanimous thing in our house and the assembly certainly passed it and, and the governor signed it. So I say that it's thank you for the education. Every time I get a chance to educate people uh, about our history, I do. And how I happen to show up in this place is, uh, and let them know, you know, the path that had to be taken by my ancestors. And then I urge them, as you do, to not just drop this. It's not just a one-day celebration. It's not just something you can get tired of and bored of and walk away. No, you're awake now. You've been totally changed because for the first time you have seen the other pandemic. And in terms of that pandemic, the only vaccination is us, a conscious, willing people to make the changes so that we can actually lift up everyone and become the America that I believe that we, we are meant to be and we all believe in. So thank you and happy Juneteenth. Thank you for giving me some time. Thank you, Senator. Thank you so much for joining us. I see um, so many people here. I'm just really just so excited um, to see um, the representative group of individuals who are, are part of this discussion tonight. Um, I, I noticed Judge Dolores Brathwaite, also um, Town Attorney Tim Lewis, and there may be a couple of other attorneys here. Um, do, do you have any comments on um, what you see to be um, necessary changes uh, in legislation? Uh, Judge Janet Malone is here also. Um, changes that are going to bring about changes in legislation and law that will bring about some of the changes that the majority leader just alluded to. What needs to happen? Anyone? We also have with us Jim Quayle, who is a member of, along with myself, of um, former First Lady Matilda 
Cuomo's New York State Mentoring Program Advisory Council. Jim is also a retired superintendent in New York City Schools. Jim, please feel free to share comments from your perspective in, in terms of what you, you know, how you see this whole um, thing, the, the significance of this, of this dialogue tonight. Sure. Well, first off, Judy, uh, I'm just so honored. I have my wife with me. We're both educated. And I'm just so honored to be invited to this forum and this celebration. I agree with everything that the per previous speakers had said, and it certainly creates a very clear picture of the problem and the next steps. Um, as an educator, I think one of the important things, when I was a principal, one of the important things I focused on was looking at the data. And many years ago, when I was a principal in an inner city school, with over 1,170 children, um, 90% free lunch. It became, obvious, it became very obvious to me that the statistics were indicating that kids of color um, wound up having the highest suspension rates, the lowest attendance rates, the worst health care, and in some cases, the worst teachers. And in some cases, um, being kids that were very marginalized uh, by our school system. And I, I sat down with my staff when I became a new principal and said, what are we going to do about this? This is what the data is telling us. And the data is very accurate. You know, you can't argue with the data. It's either true or false. And what we were able to do, we were able to come up with a clear vision and mission of how we were going to move our kids. And, and I think that had a lot to do with equity. Maria and I wrote an article about equity, and we hope to have it published. And I think um, equity, in one simple word, I would use is love. It's concern and, and very, very genuine concern for kids and for others and respecting people. We were able to, um, to move our kids along so that they became very high achievers. So the school almost made the 90-90-90 category. We wound up with 97.3% attendance. We had no suspensions in over 20 years. Um, our children did very well academically, and one of our kids is Eric Gonzalez, the Brooklyn District Attorney. And Eric um, was one of my kids, and he was one of Maria's students. And I think it has a lot to do with building relationships and, and, and trusting in others and believing in others. And once kids and people understand that you truly care about them, you can accomplish so much. I might mention to this committee that as an educator, I was so impressed with the work that Judith was doing um, with the, the career awareness program that she established. And, and what, she what she has been doing with those kids is teaching kids how to think, giving kids choices, making, making education fun and interesting to them, and giving them something that they could connect to and take ownership of. Thank you, Jim. Yeah, and I, and I really mean that. And uh, just an honor. So I, I hope that um, if we're going to move the agenda, we're going to do it through education, too. It's going to be a primary focus for us. It's going to be important. Um, both Marie and I are products of immigrant families. My, my parents had very little formal education. But yeah, so, so for them, the important thing was education. And once you become educated... and she was like... There's a thing going on now. <laughs> Hopefully Thank you. you can eliminate ignorance. Yeah. And that's great. Right. Absolutely. Thank you both. I'm I'm um, going to um, honor right now to one of our guest speakers, um, uh, Professor uh, Gloria Brown Marshall. 
Lorna Brown Marshall is an author and professor at John Jay School of Criminal Justice. She is being called by National News to do an, an interview at 9 o'clock. So she has very little time with us, but she was very fortunate to have been able to join us this evening. Professor Brown Marshall, please take over. Oh, <laughs> I, I don't know about taking over, but I'll say good evening. And I, I'm going to say good evening to all of you, and especially to Senator and to her cousins. And she and I have tried to connect. And who knows? This is so interesting that we finally get to do so by Zoom. <laughs> so I owe you a call. My life is now somewhat settled, so I thank you so much for your for reaching out to me uh, seriously and your understanding, and you know what I'm talking about. Um, the reason why I, I think that this, for me, is, is even more um, important. Things across the country, something hasn't changed. Okay. Um. I'm going to mute everyone and then unmute you, if you don't mind. You are muted. You can mute or unmute yourself by pressing star six. You need to unmute yourself. I'm sorry, Professor. Okay, no problem. Um, the screen has me looking very fuzzy, so I look like younger than I am. Actually, I'm old and tired. <laughs> and I've been in this a long time. I don't know how to make the screen look like I'm, I'm like not, I'm not 26. I feel 86. I've been running around so much. But one of one of the reasons why this is such a pleasure for me to be here, and all of you have been in New York politics, you've been working hard and been in the struggle for a long time. And I thank you, Julius, for making this happen. But none of us have been in the struggle as long as those who have given their lifeblood. The reason why I can even be on here today, the reason why we even have the leisure to have this program is because our ancestors committed to having more freedom in the future than they had themselves. So I want to talk about the past very quickly, but I want to talk about the future as well, because we have to ask ourselves, have we invested enough so that generations after us will have more freedom than we have today? What I think we have is an American spring. We've heard about the Arab spring. We've heard about the Prague spring. We are having an American spring, which is an uprising where people are saying, there is a way in which I want to live, there is something I want in this country, and this is not it that we have right now. We must have more. And I want you to realize what more is. We're talking about Juneteenth, and we've spoken about on June 19th in 1865 how people in Texas were alerted about the Emancipation Proclamation. They knew they were free. The war ended in April of 1865. The Emancipation Proclamation was in 1863. So they knew they were free, but they were not allowed to live free. Let me read you just one section of the proclamation, the order that was given to them by Union Major General Gordon Granger. And I quote, the people of Texas are informed that in accordance with the proclamation from the executive of the United States, 
all slaves are free. Now, listen to this part. This involves an absolute equality of personal rights and rights of property between former masters and slaves, and the connection heretofore existing between them becomes that between employer and hired labor, end quote. They were given absolute equality in 1865. I don't know about you, but as a proud African-American, I'm incensed even more than I was before. My background is as a civil rights attorney, as a writer, as an advocate, as a playwright. I use all of these platforms to talk about freedom, talk about justice, to help inform people about American history and America's future. We had absolute equality in 1865. And now you see why people are in an uprising. How long have we been struggling for something that was granted in 1865? The 14th Amendment gives citizenship at birth, privileges and immunities to citizens, equal protection and due process to all persons. Black men received the right to vote in 1870 with the 15th Amendment. Women received the right to vote in 1920 with the 19th Amendment. This is the 100th anniversary of women receiving the right to vote. This is the 150th anniversary of black men receiving the right to vote. Now you see why people are angry. The 1964 Civil Rights Act was supposed to stop individuals from discriminating against people of color and women. The 1965 Voting Rights Act was to protect the right to vote of African-American citizens. The 1968 Fair Housing Act was to give equal housing opportunity to all people, and so on and so on and so on. Now you see why people must go to the streets. We have had improvement in arts and sciences. We have had African Americans at the top of corporate ladders. We have had achievements in education, achievements in athletics, but there's one area that has not changed since slavery and since the segregation of the races by the 1996 decision in Plessy versus Ferguson, and that is criminal justice. Our criminal justice system, our police officers, majority of them are good people, but what is their mission? What were they told they were supposed to do? And unfortunately, the mission of police, unstated mission of police, was to protect those from them. The people of color are the them. Our police began as slave catchers. We don't talk about that in this country. Our police began as militia formed to put down Native Americans. And then we add the bobbies on the East Coast to what has been slave catchers and those militia for Native Americans in the South and the Midwest. Now you put that together, and the mission is to protect this group from them. When did we ever have the reformation of our policing system to say to them, and I say this to our white American brothers and sisters, not in my name do I want you to kill these people of color. Because we have standards, the reasonable police officer standards, is not being applied reasonably to the people of color as well as to Europeans. We have, for example, and I'm just going to give you these three quick examples because I'm supposed to be on CNN. I sneaked off 
How long do we get for the Jewish person fighting for their religious freedoms? How long do we get for gay rights? African-Americans have been fighting for full equality for four centuries. How much, how long, God bless us, we're in the fight and we're worthy allies, seeking worthy allies. Thank you so much and God bless. Thank you, Judith. And thank you, Professor Gloria Brown Marshall. Thank you so much. And I want to thank Jim Quayle before you, because we had to segue so quickly um, to Professor Gloria Brown Marshall. Thank you, Jim, for sharing um, a, a perspective from a um, school administrator about the importance of reaching out to young people. You know, I wish that Gloria didn't have to leave so fast, so quickly, because she, she mentioned um, that Juneteenth is about equality. Um, it's been mentioned also that Juneteenth is about freedom, that Juneteenth is about resistance. It's about resilience. I'm wondering, though, if and why, after 400 years, after documentation upon documentation that proves that this country became the wealthiest economy in the world in less than 50 years, between 1810 and 1850, because of free labor provided by black people. And I, I just wonder why we're still fighting for equality, with that being the evidence that African Americans provided the foundation for wealth in this country. I don't understand why. We talk about Juneteenth representing freedom. Well, can there really be freedom if the United States Congress has never outlawed lynching. Lynching still isn't outlawed in this country, folks. And is there a connection between lynching and qualified immunity? I mean, think about it. There's no accountability. There was never any accountability for lynching. And qualified immunity is another legal foundation for no accountability. How can there be freedom if lynching is still legal in this country and qualified immunity allows for acts of murder of African-Americans to be committed without accountability. What can we do as a group, as a multicultural group of people who knows where the inequalities exist, who knows and understands where the lack of equity prevails? What can 
we do as a Westchester group to send a message to Congress to say it is time to outlaw lynching. And it is time to do away with qualified immunity. I'd like to jump in here and say that um, I hope that we can address these issues before our time is up. But I don't know if you're aware that your uh, Assemblyman Abinadi uh, has joined the group. I saw his picture come up on the screen after oh. that eloquent presentation by the law professor. Thank you so much. I, I, I just wanted to um, capture that moment that um, Professor Gloria Brown Marshall made about Juneteenth representing equality and um, and freedom. And we should get back to that definitely. I just didn't know if you want to recognize your assemblyman. Absolutely. Where is he on my screen? I don't see him. Somewhere. There we go. Hi. How are you, Senator Assemblyman? How I are you? Quite a bit of the uh, presentation this evening. Uh, I was on my cell phone driving back from another event. Uh, she probably didn't recognize me there because it had a cell phone number, not my not my name. Uh, but I did manage to come in here and, and hear uh, Professor Marshall. Is it? It's Brown Marshall. Yes. Uh, she was eloquent. Um, and um, it raised some very serious, um, very serious concerns. And I think your points are, are valid also. We really need to reconsider the standards by which we judge uh, police conduct. Uh, the senator earlier uh, highlighted um, a lot of the things that we did in this session, uh, but they were really a beginning, uh, and they were sending a message that the, the state of New York believes that black lives matter. Uh, that, I think, is the, the most important message uh, to the community and to law enforcement. This was a shot across the bow. This was saying, look, we've done these things, but you work for the community. We give you a badge. We give you a gun. Your job is to protect us, and that us is all of us. Uh, it's, not, it's not some people uh, who you like and others who you don't like don't get the same protection. No, it's all of us. And, and I think that was a start. Um, and I'm very heartened by the response of, uh, of the community that I represent. I know I heard Senator, uh, the, the Senator leader earlier today talking about how she had gone from event to event uh, in a district that we share. And it was, not, it was not black people. It was not our brothers and sisters of color. It was white people, and, and, and they are starting to understand that what they had heard about before was really happening. It wasn't out there somewhere. It wasn't a, a fairy tale. It wasn't a story of one, and two, one or two people. This is the lives of, 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 of people of color. Uh, I, you know, I, I've been giving something of a, of, a, of a canned speech, if you will, because I thought about it and then prepared, you know, my remarks and, and have been using the same comments in most of the, the places that I've gone. But part of that, I, I, I quote, I'm not going to go through it now, but President Barack Obama recently said, we have to remember that for millions of Americans, 
being treated differently on account of race is tragically, painfully, maddeningly normal. Whether dealing with the healthcare system or the criminal justice system, jogging down the street or just watching birds in the park. And, and I think, fortunately, our young people are communicating with each other. And now all of the races are starting to understand each other. And the events, the tragic events that we've seen one right after the other are starting to impact um, a lot of people, uh, a lot of adults. And, and the answer to all of this is for us to find a way to reach out to good people in this country and bring everyone together. Uh, and there are a lot of good people in this country. I think the majority of people are, are, are good people. And they, they don't want to see other people hurt. Uh, just because of the color of their skin, and and they you know they they look and they and they say oh my God I didn't realize this and that's hard for to to accept, uh, but I think it's really the case. Um, and, and and if you're a person of color, you've been going through this. Um, you know I was very moved in in, in I went to Albany um, to um, talk about what we were going to do, and. It really comes home when you realize that your peers don't have the same ability to go out and walk around. You know, I'm talking to um, Diana Richardson, who's my equal, okay? She's, a, she's an assemblywoman from Brooklyn, and, and she was attacked by the police. And, and you know, and, and the senator um, uh, who was also attacked by the police. And then they hear a man like Michael Blake an assembly member who's running for Congress, saying that he was afraid to step out of his house. You know that, and you and you recognize. Here's my equal. Here's a guy who's doing the same job as I am. He's 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 elected by the same number of people, and he can't even go out and campaign because he's afraid to go out. And and you know we have I have a, a child with autism, and and we are fortunate to have a man uh, through OPWDD who's the nicest fellow. Um, and he said, and he's been with us, he comes up, it's a, sec, a second job. He's superb with my son. He said, I am not going to leave my house. I'm a man of color, and I'm afraid to go out of my house. Uh, you know, and here's a, a man with, with a wife and two little girls, and, you know, like, why? But then it, it comes home. Like, you're not being treated the same way. And so I... I think it's, that's why I've been going from rally to rally to rally to show support, to say, you know, it's, it's to show support and say, we understand. And, and, and I think it's, it's heartening, as I said before, for so many of, of the, the people in my district who are privileged, not just white privilege, but money privileged, to now step forward and say, we are, we, 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 we're getting it. And it's, it's very late, but better, better late than never. So I, I, I'm hopeful that this is going to make a permanent change. Obviously, we have politics involved here. We've got to figure out a way to get this beyond the, our urban centers. We've got to find a way to reach out to people in some of those states that might not see things the way we do. We've got to change the president. I mean, this man it, it thrives on hatred and, 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 and division, and, and that's, that's really, really sad. Um, but, you know, Michelle Obama said it the other day, and, you know, she said it's, it's up to all of us. It's up to, it's, it's up to the black, the white, everyone. Those were her words. 
And no matter how well-meaning you are, um, you know, you've got to do that uncomfortable work of self-examination um, and, and, and talk to each other. But I go even further than that. I say to those of us who, you know, are privileged, no matter how, you know, because you're white, because you have money, whatever, we've got to find a way to reach out to everyone else. And we've, we've, got, to, we've got to come together and say, that's not what this country is about. You know, the American values are, you know, are expressed in our, in our, in our uh, Pledge of Allegiance. I know Congressman Elliot Engel referred to it today. We're one nation, you know, with, and, and it's for liberty and justice for all. And um, so I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to join you tonight. I found the professor inspiring. Um, and, you know, we've got, to, we've got to continue this. We've got to work together. Thank you. Thank you, Assemblyman Abenanti. Thank you so much for being, for joining us this evening and add, and adding to the richness of of this discussion of this this gathering. To our audience, are, do would any of you like to make a comment? Would you like to, um, you know, add to this discussion? Share your your perspective, opinions, views. Hi, June. This is Denise. Hi, this is my sister Denise, everyone, and that's my sister Lynn, and my sister Joellen back there, and she's hiding. My my sister Rena Lynn Monk, she's on here. We have been sister friends and since uh, graduate years. She's on here somewhere, and my so and there, I, there are sorority sisters as well. Go ahead, Denise. So I just want to I I want to just jump in and and just um, make a as brief a comment as possible. Um, of course, um, everyone who has spoken is very inspiring. Um, it's very encouraging that we have such an auspicious gathering of um, public servants, public officials, um, and um, and and it's and it's nice. It's wonderful at this point that that um, the the events, as tragic as they have been. Um, have raised um, the consciousness and and activity of so many different people across the spectrum. Um, I, I'm not sure if it was um, um, Andrea or if it was the professor who who asked the question: How are we going to leave? Um, how are we going to leave the world for our future children? Um, and and it has occurred to me. Um, for many years, but certainly more recently um, than, than ever before, and it's that um, there's a scripture that says, "My people will will perish for lack of knowledge," and and I think that that's that's important to to bring up because I think that we have experienced what we have experienced as a people for these many. Um, decades and centuries because of lack of knowledge. I think that, um, I think that where we can start, um, I think that, that where we can start to build the future for, for our children and our grandchildren is um, in, in a very simple and basic way, and that is to begin to look at the curriculum um, of, of the education that's being taught in public schools today. I think that, um, um, that 
the, the curriculums are sorely lacking in, in truth and accuracy about the history of our country and the history of our people, um, the people of color and, and, the, and migrants in, in this country. And I think that if we, can, if we can begin to look at and change the curriculum, we can begin to educate and, and enlighten masses about who we really are, the contribution that we have made to this country, and the contribution that we continue to make to this country. And I think that if we can do that, then our Caucasian counterparts, um, especially children um, in the future, will begin to be able to look at us as human beings. Okay, and that is something that we have not had the, the, the um, I don't want to say privilege, but we have not had the, the uh, we have not been able to, to enjoy that. We have not been able to enjoy being looked at and treated as, as equals. You know, it's this, the, um, the, pro, the Emancipation Proclamation segment that, that Professor Brown um, Marshall um, quoted about equality is, is very pointed because that is the issue here. We have never been considered equal. Um, we have never been considered equal human beings. We have never been considered equal contributors. And, and, we were, and, and, I, and I, will, um, I will venture to challenge that we were never meant to be equal in this country. We were brought here to be free labor, to help to build the, the um, economy and the wealth of others. And I think that um, if we can begin to teach true and accurate history about who we are and who we were throughout the history of this country, then I think people will begin to look at us um, from a different um, from a different perspective. And and I think that that is something that will go a long way in changing um, and, and, and adding to the, the children of, uh, in the future. I think that, that adding legislation, changing laws, um, for the, the in the current in our current world is important because it will ensure that we last. You know that we're not murdered off before we can get to make these changes. But I think that a very significant and important change that really needs to be looked at is the curriculum that are being taught in public schools today. With the history that I was taught in a very uh, um, affluent um, public school system in Westchester County, never ever talked about um, uh, the contributions of my people to this country. And it didn't even provide accuracy in terms of how we, how we came to this country and, and, and the first 400 years of our lives in this country. So um, I, I just, I needed to say that, especially since I, I, I have the audience of Mr. Jim Quayle, um, who, um, who is an educator, 
um, and I'm sure that he um, can can add some suggestions in um, for how to begin to address and change the curriculum. Um, but I think that it's very important that if we're going to talk about the future of this country and the future for our children and, and for all children, I think that we need to start talking about teaching what's true and what's accurate um, uh, in, in terms of the history. And, and that includes um, Christopher Columbus and, and how he came to this, this country and how we, in our school systems, we learned that he discovered America. But America wasn't discovered, it was here. And there were indigenous people who lived here already. Um, and, and, and so I think that those are some of the things that really need to be looked at um, um, seriously. And we need to really start looking at how to change that. Thank you. Thank you, my sister. Um, there are a couple of there are a couple of hands that have been raised, and um, I'd like to acknowledge them before we run out of time. At Weems. Just to let people know, if you want to raise your hand electronically, you can oh, click yeah. on participants on the toolbar at the bottom of your screen, and that will bring up the participants list. On the bottom of that list is a raise hand command. Uh, yeah, I, and I just want to, before Pat, I just want to um, acknowledge my sister Denise's statement. Uh, it was a um, perfect example of speaking truth to power. Thank you. Pat Weems. Oh, there are four participants with hands raised. So let's start with Pat. And and then Bart, please tell me who the others are because I can't see the hands raised. You're you're monitoring and managing. Okay. If you Pat? click on the participants control, that will show you the whole list. Oh. oh at the bottom. Thank you, Bart. You didn't have to help me like that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I see them. I don't have a hand. I, I see I see Pat's hands up. Why, why can I hear her voice? I don't have a hand. I don't have a hand. I don't have a hand either. I don't have a hand. This is Judge Brathway. Well, well Judge Brathway, while we're waiting for, uh, looking for Pat Wings, why don't you? I just, mine, is, mine is very quick, uh, Judith. I just really wanted to say thank you to you for doing this program. Very informative, as you know. My job is always to listen. And tonight, I thank you for the opportunity to listen, but to not only listen, but to learn. And to thank you for letting me do that and to uh, just acknowledge uh, the professor and all of the wonderful comments that she made. I also just wanted to thank and commend our state senator, Andrea Stewart-Cousins, and commend her and her team in the state senate for all they're doing and to uh, congratulate them on the significant accomplishments they have made, which will be leading us in a new direction with all of the new uh, bills that they have just brought forth. So I just wanted to say thank you. Thank you for doing this. Thank you for allowing me to participate, be here, to listen and to learn and to be a part of this wonderful forum that you've put together. Thank you and good night to everybody. Well, thank you for your presence and your participation. Thank you. Is Pat there? Oh, Pat's having audio connection issues. Okay. So we'll we'll go back to you, Pat. 
Ellen Hendricks. Hi. Um, I just want to say thank you. Um, I would say that the Beville sisters are forces to be reckoned with. That must have been quite interesting sitting around the dinner table with, among you. <laughs> uh, great conversation. And just to also build on the importance of education, you have to educate us adults too because we bring up those children. And we can't underestimate the power of the, 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 the lessons learned at the, at the feet of our parents. So, um, and this is a great start. So I want to thank you for, for that, for including us and teaching us. So um, that, that, that's really all. And then also, um, I want to thank our elected officials because I was at several events today, and you all spoke so movingly, um, Madam Majority Leader, um, our County Executive, and our Assemblyman. So that's it. Thank you, Ellen, for being here. Ellen is a member of County Exec George Latimer's staff, and she um, also served as interim councilwoman to the town of Greenberg for several months. Thank you for being here, Ellen. Thank you. Okay, Jay Everett Green. Thank you very much for this very interesting program, informative. And I know a lot of work has been done to get this uh, going. Uh, but we need to talk about uh, systemic racism in relationship to social and economic structures. Uh, because you have mentioned about education, but uh, how, 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 what type of education is going to be under what condition? And so one of the fundamental issues why some of us have to have a basis of realism is uh, in relationship to um, what are we willing to give up? Because there are many people who have to give up some of the tangible privilege in terms of uh, the social economic system. And so um, this is something that we will have to address as the movement goes forward. What are people willing to give up? Because under, this, under the present social economic system, um, that is part of the, the whole depersonalization with regard to um, uh, African-American, African people in general, where uh, life, uh, as the George Floyd brother said, a is a $20 bill. Is a life worth merely a $20 bill? Right? This is part of the economic system that we have in the United States. And there will have to be some revolutionary change in relationship to the socio-economic system we have. And I would be very, I would be delighted to hear what some of us have to say in relationship to At this time, I'm going to discontinue. They're just people who are saying their feelings. This is Murphy and Prince. It was an exciting um, discussion. Very 
long life learners who are out there. We gain when we watch this. Thank you.